I guess you did hear me, a few of you. It's great to see you all tonight. Uh, it's uh, good to be with you. I want to talk to you a little bit about the city of children tonight. Uh, I've got a number of lessons that I hope that we can take into our week this week, but using the trip that just happened as sort of a springboard for that. We just read that scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of those that take the gospel. And uh, we think about that a lot of times when we think about our missionaries. We think about that a lot as we think about these short-term mission trips. But really, we need to be thinking about ourselves as we go into Columbia and as we uh, leave this place tonight and go about our weekly lives. So I want to encourage you along those lines, but I also want to let you know what's going on. I think we've heard about the City of Children a number of times, uh, but I don't know that it's really been described that much about what happens while you're there and what our kids are doing. Uh, we took a number of people there this last week. Um, one, I want to say thank you. I filled two of suitcases full of markers and pencils that you guys donated. As always, you're so generous, and a lot of people brought those things. And it's to set up the kids that were going to be at the City of Children. The group went uh, from Columbia Academy with John and Lisa Bennett, uh, sort of organizing that group at, at CA. Uh, this was the group that was there. Uh, we took about 54 down to Ensenada, Mexico. Uh, those that were coming from the Southgate Church of Christ, we had about, uh, whenever I did the group picture, I loved it. We had a number of kids that jumped in because they consider Southgate their home congregation uh, because they're with us so much anyways. But we had a number of our young people that were on this trip. Uh, Natalie and I were able to go as well. My, my history with City of Children, I guess, starts back in the early 90s. At Columbia Academy, once a month, you would take up a dollar for Raphael. And back then, you didn't have the internet. You didn't, Raphael, who, who's Raphael? I don't know, but you went around and you'd have your dollar once a month. We'd take it up from all the student body, and we were sponsoring an orphan at the City of Children. Whenever I was student body president there, I'd go and tell them about Raphael, and we'd gather up that money, and I remember putting all those together, having no idea exactly where that went to. Well, a group went in about 97. Uh, in about 06, I think Ben Dials took a group, and in 07, I started leading uh, kids from uh, Columbia Academy on this trip for a number of years. Um, Natalie had never been, and Natalie loves it when I say her name from up here, so I'm going to do that. Not only that, am I going to put a picture up of Natalie doing a little bit of work on the trip? About two months of our married life I have spent in Mexico while Natalie stayed here raising four boys. It was pretty neat this last week to finally let her uh, see the City of Children and see the work that was going on there. Uh, what happens when you're there? Well, the City of Children is about, you see a little bit in the previous picture, that's the left side of the campus. It's about a 60-acre campus. That white wall is going all the way around it, and we painted from where they are all the way up to that far wall and turned the corner moving right by the end of the week. Uh, pretty warm weather, got up there and got a lot of work done. Usually the place is dry and almost like a desert, but this year it has rained. I've never seen uh, the flowers or seen the grass grow. Uh, Nathan Thomas, I believe, weeded that Mexican style, which means you get a nice flat shovel and you swing it until you've knocked all the grass down all the way up to the hill. Um, but when you're there, there's about 50, 50 to 60 orphans that are there on the campus. They have a number of staff members that take care of them. Uh, those children stay there. Uh, many of them, they, they're there their entire lives. The City of Children is an unbelievable blessing. You come there and you see them, and a lot of times people come and see these little kids, and they may feel sorry for them in the facilities, but as soon as they go out in the city, they don't feel sorry for these kids anymore because they see what other kids are doing. 
1972, two members of the church there in California went down into Ensenada, Mexico, and they saw kids just wandering the street. And they said, we've got to do something about that. And they purchased this land, and they went through the planning, and they got it together, and then they started year by year, group by group, building up the city of children to take care of a number of kids. Uh, Alex was telling me this morning that Mama Peggy went with a bus, drove a yellow school bus from here to the city of children as part of that work. I think Eastside Congregation was one of the early on folks of that early work that was happening there in Ensenada, uh, Mexico. Over the years, it has grown and expanded and expanded. They take care of these kids. The challenge that you have is the children can't leave really this facility. It's a great facility. They have unbelievable homes. They have nice things that other kids in the community wouldn't even have. But they can't ever leave except when they go to school or if there's some other outing. While they're there, they're blessed. But if they ever want a cell phone, they're not going to have it there. If they ever want a date, they're not going to be able to have a boyfriend or girlfriend as long as they're there. The only way that they can have those things is in the middle of the night. If they get up out of their bed, they sneak out of their house and they hop that wall or walk under the fence, they can have those things. But once you leave, you can never come back. I was there one week when about three kids made that decision. So they're making that decision on the, you know, what they want to do in that moment. But it's like, but you may never get out of high school. If they stay there, the kids that are there, they go through school. If they test high enough that they can go to university, then they've now got an unbelievable college dorm for them as well where they can stay there and have their needs taken care of. It's neat to see on the wall now uh, where some of their children that have been there are. They've got architects. They've got lawyers. The current director, uh, Patty, uh, she was one of the children that were there as well. So there's a great opportunity for success if they stay there. So what do you do when you go? Well, the kids go and spend time with them. They're there on site. Well, what can we do to make it okay to be here? And that was sort of what you'd see on a regular Sunday afternoon. You get a, a group soccer uh, game going on. They also have a gymnasium where they worship. Uh, there on that Sunday afternoon, they'll get together and they just start mixing. Uh, it's really neat what our girls did. Our teen girls took down a number of dresses, like banquet dresses. And they spent the day getting the girls that were there dressed up in their dresses and they did their hair and they did their makeup and then they went out and they, they were all leaving. Like, where are they going? We were going to get ready and they were going to, you know, they were figuring out what they were doing. They took off to all those beautiful flowers out uh, and were getting all their picture made. They had a photo shoot going on where the girls just sort of got together. When you go, they don't know English, and you don't, most of our people don't know Spanish, and you're like, what's this going to be like? Uh, universal languages play. Smiling, loving somebody, spending time with them. And it's interesting, as you get there at first, it's really uncomfortable, because I don't know who you are, and I'm come to say, I'm trying to figure out no hablo, and you're trying to figure out how you can communicate with somebody else. By the end of the week, you have people in full embracing and children on both sides that are weeping as they say goodbye because of the connection that are made. Uh, but you go there and you just spend time with them. Our kids would teach a VBS. Uh, we start on Sunday morning, uh, and then every, every night there's going to be a lesson Sunday through Wednesday night. Uh, the young people that go, there's Reed as he was teaching a class. Uh, they're going to teach the children that are there, so they prepare a Bible, uh, a Bible story. Uh, basically, the, the entire summer is following a big, long series of what they're going through, and that's sort of what kids do. Also, while they're there, they spend a lot of time 
with uh, out in the community. These are some pictures of some of our kids playing with school children in El Zarillo. We went there and we went to an elementary school and it's, play, it's uh, recess time. And these are kindergartners, uh, about 55 or 60 of them. And they're running all over the place, uh, having a big time. And we go out and we play with them, gave them a number of toys that have been collected through the years, uh, talked to them. Uh, I gave all of the different teachers that were there a copy of the scriptures. We're able to say a prayer with them, spend some time with them, with the local preacher that is there that I'll tell you about as well. Uh, but we get to do the, the power of presence. You would think with language barriers that, you know, what can you do with somebody else when you can't really communicate in every way? But when you sit down with somebody or these kids come in and you pick them up and they're wanting to go for a ride and they're wanting to kick a soccer ball and they just want to have someone with them, I think about our spiritual walk for us individually. Uh, when you make a decision you're going to spend time with someone and you give up a week of your life to go out there and spend time with them in the community, a connection is made. Don't we know that that's going to happen in Columbia, Tennessee? But see, for that week, it's like I don't have anything else going on. I am here solely to be with someone and to be with them. And you make a decision to do that, and it's a heightened focus of the power of presence. Some people say the ministry of presence. And as we go into this week, let's think about who are we going to spend time with. Because it takes an investment. But we don't have to fly somewhere. We don't have to go to another place. We can find someone, whether it be our neighbors or whether it be our coworkers, whether it be people in our family, and say, I'm purposefully going to spend time with them because when we spend time with them, all of a sudden, other opportunities are going to come as well. At first, it's just hanging out, and it may be, you know, again, you're working through uncomfortableness. Eventually, you start to get to know someone because they spent time with you. You get to earn the opportunity to talk to them more and to build connections. And as we think about our Christian walk, I think it is so uh, very important to go and invest ourselves in other people. And that was one of the lessons that I learned is that I want to make sure that I purposefully in the week give people the ministry of my presence. That can be done in our visits, that can be done in phone calls, that can be done in the cards that you send. But you think, I want to invest in people's lives because unbelievable things happen when you do that. The second thing that I see is the power of young people. Now, this is my crew. Uh, they split them up into three different groups, and this was group three, and it was quite uh, surprising that it just happened to be the greatest group that was there for some reason. But uh, this was my young folks that were here. Here we are at the wall. They're throwing up their number threes, and they have painted, and the guy showed up and said, I, uh, I can't believe y'all got that far. I said, well, we are group number three, you know. But you have these young people, and I think this is important. I know our young people are gone tonight, but I just want to remind all of us the unbelievable power of our young people. Uh, when you sit back and you see their energy, you see their zeal, you see their desire to go and to make connections, you see how fired up they can be, how full of faith they can be. When you think about our evangelism that's happening here at Southgate, a lot of times it's happening right there down the hallway in our teen classroom where they are bringing their friends. They are inviting people. They're trying to get them to come and to follow the Lord in their life. And I think that is so very important. We know that Scripture tells us train up a child in the way he should go. When they're old, they won't depart from it. Uh, these kids win and they really work hard. Uh, they work hard if it's a, you know, 
there at the city painting a wall. I didn't hear a single complaint. They worked hard the whole time. We went out in the community. They wanted to connect with every kid at that elementary school. They wanted to go and see what they could do on serving and taking care of other people. And I just saw the power of young people. At night, we would close, and usually we'd get together and sort of discuss through different things that we saw. What was your experience? Where did you see God happening? Uh, you know, where did you see God in the happenings of what was taking place during the day? And our young people are looking for God in their lives, and they're looking to see how he could be used. And it was really neat to hear them talk about the things that they're seeing from their spiritual vision and to give them that opportunity to grow. I tell you that because we spent... I know it was over $5,500 or so that the congregation helped in making this thing go and we take up money and we're trying to, you know, I hope as we get these other bills paid off, we're going to see how much more we can do uh, working towards mission work. Whether it be a full-time missionary that we're supporting, I hope one of our kids will say, look, I'm going to go and do this. Uh, but it may be other things that we do, whether it's in this community or other places, but it's time well invested when kids see what they can do for God. They started singing at night, and we, I don't know if we'd really done that before. I hadn't been a part of a group that did that. The singing was so unbelievable that really we're there, and you're exhausted, and you're about to fall over, and you're, you know, the time change messes with you on a number of different things as well. But they were singing, and we just didn't stop. It was just 30 minutes of just straight praise, and we were doing it every night, and it was so unbelievable. Uh, but they were fired up. And I just think as a congregation, for us to realize the power of young people, if you wonder about our future and you see all the craziness in the news and you think, where in the world is our country going? When you spend time with these kids, you say, we're going to be all right. Uh, we've got young people uh, that have a belief in God, a faith in God, a desire to work for him who are building their faith. Uh, we're enabling them to do that and they give me great confidence. And I just think as a congregation, let's remember that. We'll have our Youth for Christ Day coming up here in a couple weeks. Encourage them. Uh, we've had a lot of young people that have decided to become ministers and to serve in different ways. Keep on doing that. Uh, our elders, I know, are making decisions on a new youth minister even this week. Pray for that. It's a super important work that we're doing. Continue to lift up uh, our request to God to help this next generation see and be what God wants him to be. So I just may we continue to fuel that fire of young people uh, and their zeal for God and his kingdom. And I really saw that uh, this week in a lot of different ways. Also see the power of God's word. Uh, this is my favorite location at the City of Children. This is once you, down front, you sort of see the buildings. And this is an amphitheater that's sort of in the back right corner of the property. It's where people would go for worship. And I would usually get up in the morning, and I got up there in the dark the very first morning uh, on that Sunday morning, and that's sort of where I gather my thoughts and get to spend some time in prayer, uh, walk through my lesson. I was able to speak that Sunday morning. But you get there, and you can sort of see down below you is where all the other kids are and the things that are going on. And whenever you want to try to preach in a different country, it's always a unique experience to try to talk, especially when somebody else is going to have to translate for you. I found out on Thursday night that my translator was not going to be the dad that's usually there that translates all the time, but it was going to be the Spanish teacher at CA. And I was called and said, hey, can you get a transcript of your lesson? I said, well, yeah, I can. Now, I had no idea how Ben was going to do, the Spanish teacher there. And I thought, oh, no, am I not going to be able to get off of these notes at all? Uh, he did end up doing a wonderful job. 
But when you think, okay, what can I say? Your time is cut in half. What am I going to do? How can I share? Whenever you think the kids have to do the same thing, they've got 40 minutes of lesson, but if somebody has to translate, you've got 20 minutes to say something, what would you say? I just want to say God's word as best as possible. If I miss everything else, if I don't get the illustration, if I don't get this, if I don't get that, I want them to hear God's word, what he said, and what they need to know. And, uh, and that was a focus that I was think on that morning. And then you go and you go to talk to other people. And that was a focus of what was going to happen. Uh, that morning I go down and four years ago when I went there were no teen boys. This time there was about seven or eight teen boys. And I said, uh, are any of these guys where they could read? Well, at their worship service on Sunday morning, if you're a Christian, when it's the Lord's Supper, you stand up. So on Sunday morning, you see who's made a decision to follow God because in order for you to receive the Lord's Supper, you stand up and then after you take it, you sit down and you can sit there and see, well, a number of their teenage boys uh, were Christians there. As I was doing my lesson, I had them read it. We didn't read it in English, but they got up and they read God's Word. Why? Because our God's Word is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides through the soul and spirit. It will get through the thoughts and intents of a person's heart. When God's word is put out there, it is in itself powerful. And I knew that if they could hear that and their ears were ready to hear, then their lives would be changed. Doesn't matter what I've said on how I can mess up a translation, God's word always reaches through. And that's so very important. While I was there on Monday, I had opportunity to have a devotional with the staff. So about five different guys came in there, again, working through a translator. We were going to talk through it, and this is when I got to meet uh, Juan de Dios. He has his wife, Sarah, also his son, Juan uh, de la Cruz. They're there together. He came to work at the City of Children as a job. It was a good place where his family could live. The, care, the mamas and papas worked six days a week and get one day off. Six days a week, 24 hours a day with, they've got about eight or nine guys in their dorm all the time and one day a week off. He came two years ago and I'd heard good things about him and after the Bible study I saw that he didn't stand up on, the, uh, on Sunday. He wasn't a Christian nor was his wife but I'd heard so many good things about him. And I sat down after our Bible study, we had talked and first, well, as we were thinking about the power of God's word, there was Daniel was there who had used to be a preacher at one of the congregations in town. And I talked about the gift of ministry and I shared some words with them. And I had them go and read from God's word. And I said, well, will you read this? And he was there as scripture is telling us how, you know, that Paul was wishing for us to understand the width and the depth of the love of God that he has for us. I'm sitting here in the middle with the translator going, is this registering I don't know am I doing any good or not as a translator do they understand what I'm trying to say you're worried about all those things that brother sat down with five other uh, Mexican men and he's reading the passage and he breaks down in the middle of it in tears he stops the man next to him pats him on his back and finishes out how great and deep God's love is what do we have? We have got the power of God in our hands. Understand the power of what we get to see all the time. But we take it for granted. 
So every time we have a chance to share something, to give an insight, to share a verse, to think about something, to write down a verse for somebody that's dealing with something and hand it to them, just know that you're giving them something that can forever change their mind, change their life if you will do that. One day, Dios, I said, man, I've heard about great things. They were making furniture with the kids, and he got out his phone and started showing me furniture that they had been redoing and that they had created and made. I saw about the fact that he was an artist and had unbelievable drawing abilities and saw someone that's like, man, I heard about this. And we're going back and forth. I said, well, when I came four years ago, there were no teen boys, and this year there are five of them up there. God is using this place to reach them, and I know that he's using you in the midst of what's happening here. And he did this. And the translator said, he said, it just feels good for somebody to notice and recognize the work that you're trying to do. And he got chills. Now, one of the things that I heard at the leaders retreat that we had about a month ago, I went to evangelism class and I was listening and we think about when do I share the gospel with somebody else? And the guy said, you want to know when you share the gospel with someone? And my answer was, yeah, I do. <laughs> when is it? And he stopped and he gave me that pause and I'm waiting and he says, when somebody shares a feeling with you, it's time to share the gospel. When it's like, hey, how's it going? Oh, the weather's okay, and that's it. And all you're doing is based on facts. A lot of times, if you make that jump, it's a jump too far. When someone has shared a feeling with you, and this is something you can use this week, at that moment, say, oh, you're, I'm having a hard time at home. You know what's helped me? And you bring the gospel in. I'm having a lot of pressure right now. I'm under a lot of stress. You know who's helped me with my stress? Well, he comes and he shares a feeling about being noticed. And I just asked him immediately, I just hopped right on it, are you a Christian? And he said, well, no, not right now. He says, I've been learning a lot, and I've been watching, and I've seen what's going on. And we're just having a discussion about God, and he said, well, are you talking about baptism? And he brought it up. It was already in his mind and in his heart and it was happening and again with evangelism it's about all of us being there at certain moments. I said it's muy importante. There's my two Spanish words I use for the week. Muy importante. Uh, and then we sort of laughed about that. I said it's about giving God your entire life but he thought about that and during the week the next night he talked to one of our other adults. I gave him a, a form that I give a lot of our kids when they're thinking about it with all the different accounts and acts. Pray for Juan de Dios. I said God is using you right now, but when you decide to walk with God and give him your whole life, it's going to be amazing what you will see he can do when he's the one, when you've totally given yourself to him. Uh, in those other conversations since then, and I worked with him through the week, he told one of the other guys, he said, when I came here, I didn't believe in God. But he has seen love. His son there... Uh, uh, Bennett Thomason, Alan Thomason, who's here in town, uh, they made a connection last year. But he did more than just spend a week with him. He went home and a few weeks later, hey, how can I send him a note? And he sent him a letter. And they've been contacting back and forth and have gotten online and talked back and forth. And there's been that connection. And he came back. And what he saw was Christians loving his children. And he has seen all of those things. And I really believe I pray that God will give him the time that he's going to make a decision to let God's word take a part of his life and he's going to do great things for him. So pray for Juan de Dios. But for us, remember the power of God's word and also what happened? Somebody took the extra effort to make contacts with him 
what Bennett Thomason did in sending his son and loving his children. When these kids come in here, it's really neat to see an entire row filled up because one of our kids who our youth group has reached out to, and we had that this morning, a whole family that came. Why? Because they know their son's loved. They know their grandson is loved. Uh, so very powerful. Uh, the third thing that I wanted to share with you, uh, once you got beyond that power of... Uh, power of God's word was the power of just a life dedicated to make the next good decision. I didn't have a good picture of Brother Franco. Uh, this was one from a year or two ago. He is in El Zarillo, which is a community about 60 miles, or not 60 miles, about 60 minutes, about an hour, hour and a half now because they're working on the road, where he, is, uh, he preaches there in a congregation. One of the things that was really good, the city of Children is located about 90 miles south of San Diego. You had the, the city of Children started in 1972, but in about 1994, uh, Stan Stout was there. He was the American caretaker. He's like, where are these kids going to go once they get out of here because there weren't any congregations? Really, one of the greatest lasting effects of this place is that in 1994, they started Baja Missions and started planning congregations. Now up and down the Baja Peninsula there off the side of Mexico, there's, I don't know if it's 21 or 23 different congregations all the way down and they keep spreading. They had a whole conference about a month ago where all those people are getting together. They're about to have their own summer camp of kids that are all up and down the peninsula and you're just going, man, how did that happen? Well, it happened with two people saying orphans need to be taken care of and 20 years later somebody says, we need to try to get some congregations built and then once those congregations get built, you see a man uh, like Brother Franco. Our groups have gone to his congregation there in El Zarillo for a long time and they go out on food relief. And here's Brother Franco today, and this is some of our kids. Uh, and he's going to hike them up that mud trail that washes out, and they're going to deliver food to different people. Uh, he is out amongst the people. He sits there and talks to them, and they say, okay, here's where they are. And he asks them, what do you want these young people to pray about for your life? Uh, he will also sort of tell the kids about what's going on in their life. He will also, he believes in the reprove, rebuke, and exhort. If these people haven't been faithful, he'll let them have it too, and that'll get translated on saying, you need to really get back to where you're supposed to be. Uh, but there are people there, and when you go out in the community, uh, they know Brother Franco. When we go to the elementary school, they know him. What has he done? He's gotten up every day and tried to make the right decision and make good small decisions. One story that was there, we were behind his van. He was leading out in front of us. Brother Franco's actually uh, dealing with cancer right now. I hadn't seen him in a while, and it was actually kind of tough to see him down in his health. He was riding in a van by himself, and I think that was so that he didn't have to mix in with a whole lot of groups. He's got his mask on and trying to protect himself best he can. But his van stops, and, of course, we, you never have any idea where you're going. Who are we going to give food to? And he stops, so all of our kids are grabbing, okay, grab the hygiene bag and grab the food bag and grab the toys, and we're going to go out and we're getting all ready. And he gets out, but he's not stopping at a house that he's planned to. There's a three-year-old girl sitting in the road, and there's nobody around. And he's walking out, and we finally figure out that we don't know whose kid this is. And he's stopping for her, and he's asking the neighbors, and he goes and talks to them. They go and knock on another door, and this girl is just wandering these streets 
totally by herself, three years old. Brother Franco sees it and he doesn't drive on. Where do, we've got work to do. No, we don't. Uh, not when people need help. And in that day, they stopped. And I don't know if we didn't get to deliver as much food that day or not, but it didn't matter because the kids saw, you know what's happening? One, the shape that many people are in. The same action that made the city of children begin to take care of kids is because here's a three-year-old little girl that is walking the streets with nobody watching after her. Uh, we prayed for her that day and prayed for her that night. The neighbor picked her up and walked off, and we don't know what the end of that story was, but there was nobody coming running because, whoops, she just got out of sight for a second. Uh, you know, she was picked up, but Brother Franco was going to take care, uh, take care of her. Um, this one was really neat, and I'll tell you the story, and our, our time will be up tonight. You think about the importance of uh, those making those small decisions one at a time. We know James 1, verse 27, religion that is pure and undefiled before the God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. This is Pauline, and it still kind of blows my mind to see that picture of her because forever in my mind is the envelope that I got in my classroom at Columbia Academy, and I opened it up, and I pulled it out, and there was a picture of a little one, two-year-old girl. And it had Paulina Arevalo on the bottom, and this was the new sponsor that we were going to have as far as who Columbia Academy was going to sponsor. She was two years old, a little girl. And I remember going in... Uh, 07, she's about three years old, and frankly, Paulina was a stinker, okay? She didn't want, <laughs> she didn't want to play with everybody. She was sort of hands off, and she was always grumpy and looking at you, and you'd come in, and you'd try to work with her, and she was keeping her distance and trying to figure out all those things. She wasn't a warm, fuzzy, you know, some of them come up, and they just grab your neck, and they want you to go over, and she's just kind of stepping back and looking at you. So that was three years old, and now you come back this year, and she's 18 years old. And whenever they did the show of playing, they've got instruments and they trained them and let them take music and she was playing about four different instruments. Uh, she had passed her test and was gonna go to university and she'll be in that college dorm most likely soon and she'll be able to continue to go to school. And here she is at 18. Well, 16 years ago, it's a dollar got to remember to put it out and announce everybody bring a dollar and what's a dollar going to do at night they come together and they send all the kids back except for the teens stay with us and usually we'll play a bunch of goofy games and the kids all circle up and you know they'll link up and try to do games that mix them in and one of the games is you have everybody out there so there's 80 kids on the gym floor and John Bennett will go nine and you have to get in a group of nine so everybody gets in a group of nine, and whoever's not in a group of nine, well, you're out of the game. And then, okay, three. And if you do that, then nobody's going to be out. But anyways, you mix up the numbers, and you go back and forth, and eventually they go down to where there's nobody left. Well, they get down all the way down to the last three, and it's Paulina and another Mexican uh, girl that's there, and it's Nathan Thomas. And Nathan knows that he's out of luck because, you know, you know, you can try to intermingle all you want, but once, you know, Mexicans versus Americans, Mexicans are going to win. And, and Nathan's sitting there, so you have three, and John goes, one, and everybody gets in a group of one. He goes, three, and they all have to get together in a group of one. One, and they all get separated. And then he goes, finally, two. You know, the last two are going to be the ones that win, and Nathan just goes, you know, he knows that these two Mexican girls are going to grab each other. 
Paulina looks at her Mexican friend and looks at Nathan and goes, And she smiled, and all the Mexican girls went, oh, you know, they, they kind of figured things out. She's like, I got Nathan. And she hugged him. And I don't know, just like 16 years of life just flushed over me, leaving Nathan at two years old for me to go see Paulina. Dollar, you know, a month, all the different announcements, watching what has happened. Why is it pure and undefiled religion? Whew, man, eternity gets changed. She's a Christian. She was going to be a little girl wandering on the street somewhere. Who knows what was going to happen to her in Ensenada, a city of half a million people with kids that can't be taken care of. But we do what we can do. We give our dollars. We make our decision for that moment in time. We take care of people and... To God be all the glory and praise. Because what we have is we have an unbelievable God, but we just have to say, look, there's power out there. And there's power in Ensenada. And there's power here in Columbia as well. I got a really cool email. Or not email, text this afternoon. When we plant God's word and we give people the ministry of presence and we realize how powerful young people are and this trip enabled a lot of those things to happen in a very big way we know that when we plant God's word lives are changed and I got the uh, word this afternoon not the invitation song you stay there oh don't tell me it didn't I had a picture and I obviously messed up on it the last picture is five of our kids at the In-N-Out Burger on the way as we landed in, the, in uh, San Diego and on the way to Ensenada. And right there in the bottom right is Ben Murphy. Uh, ben Murphy's an 18-year-old who's over at West 7th. And tonight, Ben Murphy's going to be baptized into Christ. Why? Because we just saw the love of God and whatever questions and things were happening at 7.30 tonight, I think, is the game plan is for Ben who has put it off for a long period of time to say I want to walk with God in life. What an awesome, awesome way uh, to end a great week. Uh, God is to be glorified for what happens. We all have a part in that. When we encourage young people, when we give to the work that's going on, when we support missions, uh, every opportunity. But once again, this week, who can you give your presence to? This week, who can you give God's word to? This week, how could you maybe encourage some young people and send them a note and see who went on a trip and keep on encouraging them? I know eight individuals that have gone to the City of Children that have also given themselves the full-time mission work. So we have short, limited missions and a weak mission. You know, there's certain things you can do and certain things that will never happen on a short-term mission trip. Uh, but those that decide to give them li their lives to it, usually it starts with a trip like this. Uh, so continue to pray for our young people as well that God will raise up the next missionary. Well, the Lord's invitation is always open. We serve a great God, and maybe uh, you're ready uh, to follow him. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, we want to help you to do that. Maybe tonight you're here and you need prayers for other reasons. Uh, we want to be a blessing to you. We want to be a family together. We want to help you. If we can do that in any way, we invite you to come as we stand, as we sing.